and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, September 24th, 2020, otherwise known as National Hashtag Rockler Desk Challenge Day. Woo! I'm te- sorry, I had to bump National Cherries Jubilee Day. First off, what in the world does that mean? Second off, <laughs> it doesn't matter because that's right. The Rockler Desk Challenge is live. It's the big day. We're launching. Boom. It's been too long. I'm really excited for this one. But we're back. How's your guys? Is, uh, Chris, you're already done. Yeah. Mike, you in progress? I'm done. Two desks. My project is starting the day this podcast goes live. So if you want to see what I'm building, if you want to see progress as it happens, for one, just follow the hashtag Rockler Desk Challenge, but also follow me at Modern Builds. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I had a, I had a pretty busy day. I'm building a desk. So I've been thinking about this idea of a cubicle, right? So a cubicle, if you work in an office, is kind of depressing. Or they oh have wait a wait 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 hang on before we get into sure. all this, we need to line out what the challenge is. We've got to give the rules. Oh yeah, what we're supposed we to do, really that. how we enter, all of the important stuff. Chris, do you have okay. all this? Yeah, so it's very similar to the other ones that we did. It's going to be loose, just like we always do. So it's basically make some sort of a desk or a workstation or a place for you to work. To enter officially, all you have to do is just use the hashtag Rockler Desk Challenge on Instagram. You don't have to make a video on YouTube, but if you do, that's awesome. You know, it's a great opportunity to kind of get a little boost to an early or a first video that you might not otherwise be able to get. I know we've had a lot of like people that have sort of launched their channels off of previous challenges that we've done. So I think it's a good opportunity for that. Rockler is going to give us prizes again. They're going to do gift Boom. cards just like we did last time. Shout out Rockler. They're going to have a full website up with all the information and everything. So we'll have a link to that in the description here as well. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. So the main goal is just getting people building things that they wouldn't have built if they weren't sort of prompted to. So whatever your creative thing is, whatever you enjoy doing, however you can incorporate that into a desk or a workspace, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for the cleanest desk from a design perspective, because Chris might have won that with his last executive desk. But what we're looking for is like the most unique, fun and characteristic to you style desk that we can get. And there's a million ways that that can sort of well, be realized. I would say given how the last contests have gone over the last challenges, the two two by four challenge, mm-hmm. then we did the, the Rockler plywood challenge mm-hmm. and then the bent wood challenge. Yep. Given all those and just check out those hashtags too. And you can see like the, the quality of the submissions and it's, Frankly, every single time we've been blown away by, but just like how many good makers there are out there doing just completely different stuff. I would say we don't even know what we're looking for because every time we've done this challenge, we've been totally surprised. There's been so many different directions. There's some people that just like that that get really random with it. And then there's other people that just do like really meticulous and amazing crafts work. So exactly. I'm super excited for it. I think what's also really great about 
this particular subject matter is there's the potential for a lot of people are working from home right now. Mm -hmm. So there's a potential to create sort of, again, a body of research of how people, obviously a lot of the people in our community are a little craftier than average, but I'm sure there's going to be some great DIY submissions as well. But I think what we really want to show is that since a lot of people have to work from home, and this doesn't have to be your home desk, it could also just be a desk, but putting some creative thought and sharing it with the world about your workstation. If you're taking the time to customize it to make your workflow a little more comfortable, more efficient, more organized, or even maybe just better looking. Or maybe it's something where now that you're working from home and you still want to entertain, you don't want this like clunky looking home office like sitting in the corner. You want something that's really sleek and that matches everything else. We just think that it's like a it's a timely topic. Everyone can use a new a new place to work or a new workstation. And if you just want to make a desk and you don't really need a desk, I'm sure you got a friend out there just throw it out there in social media. Hey, anybody need a desk? For and sure. take them on as a client. So, my approach, I'll just lead right into what I've been doing. Yep. Is I've been thinking about this idea of a cubicle. So, when I think of movies like Office Space, the mm-hmm. cubicles are kind of presented as these very uncreative places in these very bland offices. And then for a while with like the tech community and stuff like that, like an open plan office became very in vogue. Then a bunch of reports came out that saying that that actually can compromise some worker efficiency and that you really want this like combination of quiet little rooms where people can have conversations and meetings and really focus if they're like, you know, stressed or on a deadline or trying to get something done. And then other more communal places where they feel like they're part of a real culture or environment. So I like that idea of mixing it. And I've sort of been thinking about a sort of Murphy style desk Hmm. and not one that folds from the wall, but something that allows it to transform the space that it's in from an office space to something that maybe is part of your living room. So I've done a lot of loft style living, and I think that something like this would have been good for me where I'm kind of working, paying bills, sorting my mail, and then all of a sudden I realize it's late. People are coming over for drinks. How do I quickly transform the room? So I'm working on sort of a room divider that instantly kind of turns around. It's on wheels and it's a desk on one side and a bar on the other side. So it's literally the mullet desk. The mullet desk. It's like work in the back, (laughs) (laughs) work up front, and then you switch it around and you're ready to party. I like it. You just hide the mess. That's perfect. Right. I might do like a record player in there too, if there's enough space. But I like this idea that it's like, it switches from like, a drink station and like a record player and then you just rotate it around and it like reveals the desk. So it's sort of a wall partition desk. It's about six feet by six feet by two feet. So it's like a, it's almost like a closet kind of on wheels that the desk's in that can go up against the wall. It can come out from the wall. So today I've been milling ePay and dealing with that toxic ass dust. Oh yeah. So my buddies over at Advantage Lumber sent me a bunch of like tropical hardwood decking And I wanted to use that because one, it's way cheaper than walnut, but the way I'm going to use it, it's going to look very similar. I got one inch thick boards, full one inch, you know, five quarter boards, and I cut them into one and a quarter inch strips, and then I rounded them over with a router. And I'm making these like really smooth, sanded, like polished wood, like sticks, and the surface of the desk is going to, it's almost going to look like camber, mm-hmm. but really they'll just be like spaced apart. Mm. So it'll have a really cool vertical texture. I'll mix in a little bit of steel, a little bit of woodworking. And I'm really excited because I've been really busy with like all kinds of business stuff. And it's really exciting to get back to getting a little sawdust all over the place. That's cool. So this project, is it going to be moving in and out from the wall or is it one stationary piece? It's one stationary piece, but 
I got those ball casters. So I got these really low profile from McMaster Car. Shout out to McMaster Car. If you ever need to find like a really specific like piece of like like a ball bearing or yeah. a caster, they have such a good website. You can see exactly what we want. You can download the CAD specs. Right. They give you dimensions of every single part of it. So I got these really low profile like spherical casters. Yeah. That I can probably just bolt to the base. And I, I wanted those because they have threaded rod on them so I can use nuts to kind of adjust it. So I just have them peeking right below the wooden skirt part. So you barely will see them, but it'll still glide. I like that. It'll have that apron covering it. So it'll just hover. Exactly. Very fun. Okay. I like it. I don't want to, I don't want to ask too many questions. I'm excited to see that where this one goes. I have an idea in my head, but I'm sure it's going to have some twists and turns. Yeah. Mike, what have you been doing? Painting that bus? I have been. So I don't want to reveal too much because I want these YouTube videos to hit, but I am happy to announce <laughs> the epoxy sink is 100% done and successful. Ooh. So tomorrow nice. I'm actually installing that in the bathroom and I'll have that video wrapped. And today I actually spent painting the bus. It was a four day process. Who would have thought two of those days would have been masking off all of those little individual windows, all of the turn signals. Me, I would have thought that. Yeah, yeah. well, I would have, I definitely, I definitely under considered. I assumed it would take one day and it just take, took two full days. But all in all, I was so happy with it. I watched a few YouTube videos about painting houses. And then I watched a couple of videos about how to paint metal fences. And I combined that information to paint a bus, which I think sounded you know, pretty reasonable and logical. So I right. made sure to get really good masking tape because anytime you're working outside, it's very important to have good stick, which proves true. Number two, I got good primer. A lot of people fail to use primer just in general. And I think that's a lot of the reasons people complain about bad paint results. I think the majority of the time it's user error and primer really does help a ton, whether it's the heavy, the heavy rust primer that Rust-Oleum makes or proper, you know, primer like what I used in an HV, HVLP sprayer. I did a couple of coats of paint on top of that in baby blue and they stuck so good. All of my paint lines are super crisp. I got no runs, no bubbles. I'm not going to say there's no inconsistencies at all, but for my first time running a paint spray gun, I was super surprised. And I'm telling you, Ben... Next time you've got a project like the container house or something like that, don't hire it out. Do it yourself. It is surprisingly easy and actually kind of fun because you move so quickly, you make progress really fast using one of those spray spray painters. Just for fun in the video, Mike, you should have like driven the bus to one of the like Earl Scheib or Mako places. Uh-huh. Look, looking for a Got 199 a paint job. Oh yeah, that is hilarious. Guess how much money I spent on the paint? Uh, one ninety nine. I went on. I went with Bear. It's a little higher than that, Chris. Right around three hundred. It was about one fifty okay. for five it's gallons. A big bus. Yeah. Overall, I used about ten gallons of paint. Okay. So walk us through. What do you got left? You got the paint, the sink. Paint is done. Sink is getting installed tomorrow. So I'm just parking it, putting jack stands underneath it, so it's off the suspension. And then it is ready to kind of just move into, and everything else will be revealed on a future date. But yeah, the paint went great. I showed you guys some pictures. I think the yep. color came out pretty awesome. It's a little bit more homemade modern blue than I was going for. So whenever I paint my next project that will match that, I'm going to go a couple shades lighter, just a little bit more pastel. 
Now, wait a minute. Was this like you showed up to Home Depot only generally knowing what color you were going for and then like looking at the cards and being like this one? No, Chris, I used coolers. Oh, nice. You used the cooler color? The website that you recommended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I built out this whole color palette for the project that comes after the bus. Man, I hate not being able to say stuff. It doesn't matter. I built out a color palette on coolers. Man, what an awesome website. I love it. Yeah, nice. Okay, sweet. It's that really cool thing where it gives you a lot of options, but compared to infinite numbers of options, which you normally have with a color wheel, it's so freeing because I was able to get into the blue family, get into the light blue family. And then from there, it's just a graduated scale of pastels. And so So they took away so much of the guesswork. Then when you go to Home Depot, do you just say like, here's the hex code or something? And they get it going for you? Unfortunately, the Home Depot I went to couldn't do that. I don't know if that's across the board. So I just took my phone screen and I grabbed as many paint swatches as I could and I just held it next to okay. it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but it's a little tricky, you know, cause lighting and screen color balances right. can always be a little weird, but I would say it was very close. I was able to get a okay, really so close match. The end result looks close to what you envisioned after yeah. you had settled on a color. Okay, like I said, I, envis- I envisioned it one shade lighter closer to pastel, but all in all, very happy. I know like other times, it, you know, there I've been to people's houses before and like seen a, a wall that they painted and been like, I don't think that they intended it for, for it to look this way. Right. And I know like my experience with painting rooms was always that like you see a card at Home Depot that like on the little swatch might look like it's like a grayish blue or something. And then you put a whole wall of it up and you're like, that's very blue. Right. Like it's always much more colorful and right, right, right. It changes when you see it on an entire wall from that little card. That's a very good little helpful tip because that was exactly what I experienced. Yeah. Color is tricky. We were, we were doing some research on color selection choices we're partnering with Semi-Exact, which makes hairpin legs. So we're sort of talking to them about like which hairpin legs sell the most. And they were saying, oh, you know, black is their most popular color. Makes sense. And we've also been working on creating a line of shelves, like shelf brackets that can be sold on Amazon. And in doing that kind of research and looking at like what things sell, it's like either white brackets with like farmhouse chic, chic, like whitewashed wood or mm-hmm. like black brackets with like that. And I was thinking about that because most interior design places like a black steel thing wouldn't look that good because most interiors are on the lighter side of paint, not the darker side of paint. Yeah. It's rare that you go into a house where the paint's darker than medium. Right. So what I think people are doing is they're they're often thinking of products as like an object, not thinking of it in an environment. So they're like, what color? Especially a lot of dudes I know always like this. Like they're so afraid to pick a color that there's like, it's got to be black or white or raw steel. Yeah. (laughs) And look, I'm not the most colorful person either. I pretty much wear black like every day or at least some version of gray. But I think it's helpful with like interior design and furniture projects to sometimes think about them in the environment and how the color of one thing blends into everything else. So I thought this would actually be kind of a fun topic anyways, because Mike and I are got to come up and maybe Chris, we're still deciding, come up with our kind of, we're going to do like a line of products with semi-exact and we're going to kind of do like signature colors. So I'm I'm in the process of trying to pick a signature color. Hey. And 
they already sell things in white, black, and gray. So I'm like straight out of luck there. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think I've done, I don't know how many videos where I paint raw steel white with like some sort of combination of Rust-Oleum products. So, so I'm kind of thinking, I've been thinking about what wood types I want to use the most, what finish I want to use that on them, what sort of underrated and undervalued, and then come up with a color for these table legs and steel components that would kind of work well with these underrepresented wood options. Mm. So here's my two ideas, right? So I use oak a lot. And I think like I prefer white oak to red oak because red oak is more pinkish or got that reddish color in it. And I recently worked with poplar on a project and I really loved how easy it was to work with. It's like very dimensionally stable. It's not that expensive. And the grain is just like really like foggy and like there's like it almost feels like you're looking at like a sky or a landscape or a sunset or something. But it's got that weird ass kind of greenish or sometimes yeah. purplish tint. Right. So I was thinking like these are two woods that I don't see a lot in the kind of modern woodworking that I'm interested in. So let me come up with something. So I think I'm going with like kind of like a low saturated olive or khaki green. Okay. Maybe a little bit on the lighter side. And I was thinking with the the red oak, it'll be kind of like more of like a Coleman camping stove kind of vibe. You could throw like a red flannel shirt like, you know, <laughs> over the bench. They got the, you know, the red oak and the kind of olive khaki green. I feel like that would be like a nice, put one of those like blue speckled camping mugs on that. And you got a really nice little like very warm vignette that would either look good in a super modern loft or would look good in the log cabin. For the poplar, since it's already green, I was thinking of actually like doing some like monochromatic green furniture. So I'm trying to get like the green of the legs. So if I did a poplar, like a desk or something. It would all be kind of just like different tones of green. And I might even tint the stain for the poplar, something that's like halfway in between its natural color and what the legs look like. I don't hate that idea. I remember not too long ago, you were messing with all of those colored stains and did that blue desk or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of basically using totally different materials, but still making an attempt at color blocking, essentially, because it'll all be different shades of the same kind of tone, basically. I like that a ton. That'll be cool. Right. What's what's the mic signature color? Man, I don't know what the mic signature color is. I'm so all over the board. And I, I guess I just have to find one to commit to because I love baby blue. I love orange. Yeah. I love yellow and I love pink. Oh, that's true. You know, there's there's so many colors that are great. So my thing is I want to figure out what there's an opening for. If semi-exact already has two good looking light blues, I don't want to add a third. So right. I'll take inventory of what I like. I'll have a list and then I'll compare it to what they already offer and go from there. Gotcha. What about you, Chris? I if guess I had it's to that, pick a signature it, color. It's that orange red you use, right? That's what I was going to say. It's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's like a red that's skewing towards orange and is a little bit dark and a little bit desaturated. I like it quite a bit because it has the same that's, vintage orange vibe, but it's not the exact it's a medium same. rare orange. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of the color that I go to a lot, but then I, yeah, I'm kind of like you, Mike, where I do like a lot of different colors and pops like the, the desk that I did. That's like the more intermediate DIY desk for the challenge has these like very bright yellow pops of color on it, mm-hmm. which that's always my recommendation for people is like, if you want to do color, like it's hard to say like pick this color, but pick like white or black 
and then one color and then the wood. And you'll usually end up with like a pretty good color palette. Yeah. I, I like how you've always done a lot of like how you use color to brighten up walnut, which I think scares a lot of woodworkers because they're like the like walnuts treat it. It's expensive. Right. So they treat it like they're so afraid to add anything crazy to it. Right. But whenever you use yellow or or a bright with it, I always just feel like it makes the the grain of it might also just be because of the camera's picking up stuff too. It just makes the grain feel like a little more defined and a little sharper when than when it's just like all walnut and white. Yeah. Oh, I think it does. I think it makes it pop for sure. And I know like even with like the Savato dresser that I did for the first set of plans, like that was the first time that I built that dresser in all walnut. And when I like stepped back and looked at it, I was like, it's a little much. Like it's a, like you got to be into wood to like that. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of felt like when I really looked at it, I know like from a color point of view, like beach has been my go-to right now. I'm, I'm really trying to like push beach on people. I'm, I'm going to make it real popular. How Maybe affordable it is, popular is it? Is it, is it's it? cheap. It's, it's like kind of like red oak priced, maybe a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Mm. I, I like ash a lot too. Yeah. Ash, ash is, is nice kind of hard, and, but ash, I got some chunks of ash for like, that sounds bad. <laughs> for like real cheap. A, real, a piece of ash. <laughs> real piece of ash. So yeah. Chris, on that recent Yo. desk that you built, the one we were talking about earlier, did you use beach on that as well? Are you talking about for the DIY intermediate one for the, the executive desk? Oh yeah. That one's beach. I love yeah. the grain of beach. If if that's yeah. what beach was, I remember thinking that it's cool because it has similar grain to poplar, what you were talking about, Ben, where it's not incredibly tight, Yeah, but it seems think, like it's still got that nice birch or maple tone to it. I love it a lot. Yeah. Oh, I always conf- confuse beech and birch. Yeah. The beech has that more speckly tone or grain, right? It gets a little bit in it. I would say it's pretty light on like the figuring like yeah, you don't see a yeah. ton of grain in it and if unless you're close to it and it's then just kind of like a lighter warmer wood what turned mm-hmm. you on to it did you just see it at the the store one day and it was a good price yeah it was kind of like you know i'm i always like didn't branch out with wood that much so i was basically like if i was doing something dark it's walnut or it's red oak that I stained black. If I would do something light in the beginning, it was like always maple. And then if I did something medium, it was cherry. And mm. I like cherry still, but like it does get like a little bit like too brown over time. And so I wanted something that was like a little warmer and a little lighter. And beach seems to be like cherry, but a little warmer and a little lighter. And it's it kind of It's yellowy stays. than maple, right? Yes. It's, it's a little more orangey than maple. Right. right. So it's like in between maple and birch. Yeah, I'd say it's actually, yeah, it's like in between like maple and cherry kind of. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's awesome. And I've had good experience with everything this beechwood age. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, that is a term, huh? <laughs> beechwood aged. Also, they make, they make a festal dominoes out of beech. So if I ever mess anything up, I can just like cut a little plug with a domino into it and stick one of those in there. There you go. Yo. That's actually would be kind of funny, like and just like sand it flush. <laughs> yeah, I've I kind of have done that before, and it wasn't even on beach. It was oh, I, I was like putting cabinet together, and I accidentally like drilled all the way through, and I was like, well, I guess that's going to be a design element now. Do a it's, river of dominoes table. Yeah, it was kind of like the way that like people would have like a dowel, you know, like yeah. showing. It, it was like that, but it was a domino. Mm. It's like whatever, it worked. So, and have you still been doing any more of that vinyl stuff? 
I really like the way that's the thing with like the kind of uh, Jordan Jumpman logo came out. I know I have a few projects that I want to do with it. It's just going to be a matter of like when I find the time. So on the horizon for me, so I, I got the desks finished and then I've got a new machine coming that I'm going to be working with this coming week. So we're recording this on Sunday night. So hopefully tomorrow I'll get to start working with that. I think I'm not allowed to say anything yet because there's a, what's that called? Moratorium? Yeah. That needs to be lifted. So hopefully soon. Gag order. Yeah, there you go. A gag order needs to be lifted. And then I'm actually working on the next set of plans already. So I think we're going to do a dining table and dining chairs in two separate plans, but then like probably try to put them out close to the same time, or at least have them like available for pre-order close to the same time so that we can try to do like a kind of package deal. If, if somebody wants both, they can get a little discount on it. Dining chairs near that. Now that is a plans worthy project right there. I know. Yeah. I've actually never done a dining chair before. I'm basing it pretty heavily off of a lounge chair that I did. So I've got it all drawn up already on Friday. I like basically just like cut out some pieces of plywood that are like the same size as the seat and the backrest and then just got another two pieces of plywood and drew out where everything would be positioned and clamped it all up so that I could like sit in it and be like does this feel like a chair because I really don't want to mess that up so (laughs) (laughs) that's like one of those things that like you'd think would take a while but like it literally took 30 minutes probably to like get it all cut and mock it up and be like yeah this is this is cool so then like that gave me a lot more confidence to move forward and like finish off the design so that's pretty much done so hopefully I'll start on that this week as well awesome dude you are cranking out plans now I know man the ever since we got the first one out and like they they're taking forever hopefully these ones can be a little bit quicker since there's like less components to it yeah, I'm just like trying to do as much as I can right now for like at least the next, I don't know, maybe until the early part of next year, I'd say. Thank you, Storyblocks, for sponsoring this episode. If you're unfamiliar with them, Storyblocks is the complete stock solution, providing an unlimited library of high quality, royalty free video, audio, and images through cost effective subscription plans. So if you're a creator and you ever find yourself stuck because you're looking for that perfect sound effect or B-roll clip or a template to adapt into a graphic, or maybe your agency is always in need of stock photos or illustrations, Storyblocks is perfect for you. So for example, one place you might be used to seeing these sorts of assets on my and probably a lot of other people's videos would be things like the graphic animation templates that come across the screen asking for people to subscribe or like a video, or probably even more common, the background music. Now, there's a few things that help make Storyblocks different, but my favorite are one, you can use the content you download anywhere, including YouTube, and it's all royalty-free for commercial and personal use. And two, they're always adding new content and updating things to make it the best possible experience for users. So head over to storyblocks.com slash modernmaker to learn more. Again, that's storyblocks.com slash modernmaker, or click the link in the description. All right, thanks, Storyblocks. Now let's get back to the show. So I've been thinking a lot, not just about color, but all these things that are kind of maybe, I don't want to say underrepresented because who am I to decide like what we should be seeing more of. But when I sort of think about the things that have potential, but I don't see a lot of them around me, or at least in this community, I get really excited because then I'm like, oh. If I have like an angle where I can make this thing look really good or serve a specific purpose, maybe reduce cost, 
and it'll look good, then I'm on to something new and I can like do some experiments and provide like useful information. So like one of the things that, you know, last year that I experimented with that I was really excited about and I'm getting close to bringing back was polycarbonate. Hmm. In general, I think that like if you're sort of a maker, there's a strong affinity towards real, quote unquote, real materials, right? Like wood, steel, concrete, leather, you know, these things that that you you don't need an explanation of their origin story. I think people that enjoy working with their hands, not always, but tend to gravitate heavily towards these things. But when you look in the more higher end design world, like the sneaker world, you know, pop art and stuff like that, you see a lot of high performance synthetic materials. If you talk to someone in like the fashion or shoe game, they're pretty technically astute to like new fabrics that are lighter weight, hang flatter and stuff like that. So sometimes I feel like we're missing out a little bit on like the high tech material game in favor of these like very sort of tried and true, more holistic materials. So I've been trying to think of like, well, what's the sweet spot in between there? And one thing that I'm experimenting with is plaster, right? So out here in Joshua Tree, there's a lot of like the high-end Airbnbs. They have, I guess, like their their lower kitchen cabinets aren't even cabinets. They just build a structure out of like, you know, construction lumber. They put lath over it. And then they do a limestone plaster. And <laughs> it looks phenomenally good. And it's almost like, it doesn't look like concrete. It looks like plaster, but it's like hard and it has like limestone in it. So it really like seals up. And it can come in like a semi-gloss, a gloss. So it's like you put your hand on it. It feels cold like stone, but you can build kind of shapes out of it. And then they'll often like cut wood drawers or cabinet doors to kind of cover up these like little plaster caves that they make. So that's that's like a material. So I ordered some samples from Limestrong, uh, which makes a really nice one. So I'm going to test it out on a cinder block. I'm just going to do that. So this stuff is waterproof, even if you're just doing you a use relatively it as a thin layer. Surround. Right. So if you're, if you're putting lath down, you're probably doing a half inch thick of this yeah. stuff once it's all smoothed out or something. Yeah. And I think you can actually do just Dang. a skim coat over like cement board too. Right. I remember we were at one Airbnb spot and it was using that material as the sink. Yeah. I was so surprised by the fact that it, it can actually great. hold I mean, water. I sure it would it'll stain over time and stuff like that, but they're going for that right. kind of like rough, like Spanish villa farmhouse kind of look. So Actually, like the staining wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing. And it can be any color because it's just pigment in that stucco right. type stuff. And that was very cool. Plaster was one of the things that I experimented with with my recent sort of whitewashing wood experiments. So when I did the the shipping container house, after the drywall guys came, but before we put the flooring down, I really liked the way the plywood looked because all the mud dropped on it. And then we swept it up and then we kind of mopped it to get the, the dust that couldn't be swept up and the mopping it kind of spread the little plaster that spilled out of the bags and it pine subfloor plywood is like can be a little bit kind of pinkish sometimes but it immediately took the pink out and like you could still see the grain but it kind of like plaster washed it so i did i treated some cedar with some uh bright white fusion pro grout it looked fantastic so i'm also going to experiment trying to get like really porous wood and see if I can really like soak some or just keep washing with like a big grout sponge the plaster right into it. 
Dang. And then what? That is just going to soak in, harden, and be half plaster finish, half right. kind of the so natural it'll, grain it'll coming through. It'll raise the grain a little bit. You'll also get kind of have that like pebbly when you that pebbly kind of just washed grout, but before you right. like <laughs> cleaned off the final film. So it'll have that filmy look. But then I'll take just like a two twenty grit sanding sponge and just knock down the high points of the plaster into wood. So it'll, I think it'll kind of like semi seal it. I want to test it on some outdoor furniture because yeah, all outdoor wood finishes kind of suck. Hmm. I, like if you use anything that's like polyurethane or acrylic, it blisters and yellows and like looks terrible five years later. Oil finishes are fine, but they don't really do anything. But UV and, is just so harsh. Yeah. And they get kind of sometimes they get a little gummy too from from like sun or heat or like like it like oozes out inconsistently out of one part and then like dirt hits it. Or it like reacts to like tree pollen that falls on it or something. So I was actually thinking of of trying some sort of like masonry or sort of plaster wash to kind of just be the UV filter where this that's absorbing most of that. And if the wood cracks over time, I could just maybe keep on layering stuff in. Hmm. Okay. You know, here's a material that is underutilized, at least in like the uh, content creator space. And I, I mean, I'm sure I've used it for a project on YouTube, but it's such a common <laughs> material elsewhere, which is glass. Like yeah. how often do you guys oh, use yeah. glass in a project? So rarely. I used to use it quite often when I sold Mike stuff. Loves, oh, Mike loves mirrors. I used, it, I used it on the bit lamination challenge, our previous challenge. Yeah. But yeah, mirrors. I've had but bad luck with mirrors. That <laughs> yeah, probably mirrors. tainted. That probably tainted my whole outlook <laughs> since then. Yeah, glass. Sucks. But yeah, what have you been thinking about glass? I, I mean, I, I mean, it's been, a good tabletop. Okay, so I haven't really been, I, and I think the reason that I don't consider it for projects is because there's like nothing to show for it, really, in terms of right. like the video. It's just like, and then I had a piece of glass made. Yeah, but like I, it yeah. is a material that like we could totally take advantage of more, but. I, I think I just don't because of making videos. I also have like bad associations with like late 80s, early 90s, kind of like right. postmodern art deco-y kind of furniture pieces that was, it was always just some like random geometric shapes painted in loud colors. And then there's a piece oh, of glass yeah. on top. And then it's like a brass like fixtures. And I'm just like, no. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I picture when whenever I think of like, I think we talked about this on here before, but basically the neighbors on Christmas vacation yeah. that like kind of like yes. black and chrome and glass. Yeah, and like that's a like the aesthetic. With a turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like I like frosted glass with wood a little bit more than clear yeah. glass, like or back painted glass. Yeah. So I think like, I guess like, like everyone likes the way like sea glass looks. So I wonder if you could get like a tabletop that's more like this sea glass kind of sandblasted texture. Probably. Kick his ass, sea glass. What is sea glass? <laughs> you know, it's like when at, at the beach and the, the, the little polished pieces that are kind of like, they're not fully clear. They're just semi. Okay. Semi translucent. Translucent, yeah. yeah. I guess that would be the same thing, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just half erosion, full, man. Half, half empty. Right. So it's like when yeah. you rough up the surface, it's less shiny. Gotcha. Yeah. Mike, what do you got? Hit us with something well, that think, no one's thinking I was just of. Think, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about glass and... As one does. 
Can you pour it? Does it pour? Because I've seen people blow glass. I've seen it in a liquid state. I mean, I it guess you'd cool have to, to have like a foundry or some whatever. So but there's, yeah. there's a place out here. Jesse took a glass, a casting workshop. Yeah. I was just imagining some kind of bourbon place where it's just rich with old world charm. You know, you could have a tabletop of like just poured liquid glass like you would with epoxy or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was maybe, just a stupid idea I had. What if it was like, uh, it, this isn't art imitating life, imitating art, but basically, so like the original river tables where they would like cut the glass to match the thing, then everybody yeah. started doing it in epoxy and they said, well, wait a minute, you can just pour glass, but it would probably catch the wood exactly. on fire or something. Oh yeah. Glass <laughs> melts at a pretty high temperature. Yeah. I think the thing, the move to be would be using pouring two live edge slabs of glass and then cutting the wood like very detailed to fit in these kind of molten ah, yes. lava edges. So you just pour it and let it like, like lava flow and harden. So how the, it wants yeah. the to, hard then... thing about glass casting it is letting it cool off without cracking. Cause as it cools, it sort of fractures. So you have to, when you're doing cast the glass, you have to cool it in a kiln where you just like slowly, you know, it might be a couple thousand degrees. And then every hour you cool it down by like 10 degrees. So it's like actively cooling it down slowly so it doesn't break on you, mm -hmm. which sounds just like stressful and time consuming. And then and it's hot. like 40 hours in, you're like, OK, we're almost down to like 500 degrees. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the power goes out. That's all the old all school breaks. making things like whether you were blacksmithing no or doing glass blowing. Yeah. It was all like it could just screw up at the end. You know, I would say the material that I think is just being able to pour liquid plastic. That's what we're using for a hook. That's for the AO5 furniture. That's what we're using for the AO5 furniture. What those snap together legs are. It's all HDPE sheet goods. Yeah, we get in four by eight sheets, half inch, three quarter, and one inch. It's not cheap because it's so energy intensive to melt it all down, sort it, and stuff like that. So it's labor intensive, even though the raw material is pretty plentifully uh, available. But uh, it should come down. With, the cost should come down with time. But no, it's a great material to work with. And right now we've got just so much of it that it's, it's got to get used somewhere. And at a certain point, I assume you can't just keep recycling plastic. So if you could get it milled into a durable building material and it could just stay in that state for the rest of its lifetime, I think that's a good use of recycling plastic. So you know what I was thinking of using it for would be, I hate drawer slides. Like drawer oh, slides yeah. just... I installing them. Installing them. And then like the little ball bearings fall out or if they don't have ball bearings, they're... They, they they just drag really sadly. Or let's but just be honest, my drawer isn't perfectly square. You know, whatever it is. Never, never <laughs> happens. So I hate drawer slides. But like that, if you made some with no wheels or anything, just out of like milled HDPE plastic, that stuff is so slippery. Yeah. Like I feel like they would like have a really good glide, not make any noise. And you could make a really chunky kind of like routed track that would be like pretty solid and quiet. And I think it'd be like a, a easy kind of like dumb proof way to install them too. Totally. <laughs> and I think these days people prefer, a lot of people prefer a sort of Ikea finish. What you imagine just like a really kind of matte, solid white tabletop or solid color tabletop would be. And if you were able to get not veneer, but thicker than veneer, maybe quarter inch or half inch sheets, and use that as just 
your laminate or whatever you're using as your surface. You know, enough people are building out of plywood and particle board and MDF and everything like that these days that I think it would be a really common and practical kind of just surface top, especially for things like desks or workstations or kitchen islands or utility kind of U-line furniture. Yeah. MDF is another material I want to experiment more with. Yeah, big time. It's just uh, it's one of those where it's just super dusty and you really get messy with it. But once you're in a setup shop with some good dust collection, I'm planning on getting into it as well. I've been really interested in how, Chris, you've been doing a ton of template, like router templates right. with MDF lately. And I think that's, if there's a value proposition on a CNC or an X-Carve, that demonstration, I think is really it. Just showing like you can make any shape Cut it out on right. the C, cut it out on the CNC, and then trace that out basically with the router on solid hardwood. Very cool. Right. And did you guys know that there's an HDF also? Yes. High density. Yeah. So it's I super heavy. Until we started making the plat, the, yeah, the like, uh, when MDF is just too templates. lightweight. Yeah. For yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. It is. So <laughs> no, it here's is what I want with MDF. I want to figure out a way to do like a gray stain where you still get a little bit of speckle thing, where it's not like just a paint on top. Or like something that kind of soaks into it so I could still route like a pattern into it. Right. Do you guys remember Chris from Get Hands Dirty would use that stuff? She would use it like purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Velcro mat. And that's what it was like, right? It was like MDF that was like stained homogeneously through. Yeah, that's that's more closer to like paper stone, but not quite as expensive. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Is is it available here or is that like something that she just gets in Portugal? (laughs) There's, well, there's, there's a lot of like panelized things like that for commercial cladding around exterior buildings, but they tend to be like Trespa and stuff like that. I think is kind of like they're, they tend, or they used to be, they've probably gotten better with, they tend to have like really strong resins in them. So like a MDF is more like a wood glue, right? Like more of like a water-based glue. But this exterior grade stuff has a phenolic resin in it, which is like a little bit more nasty. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's some like better in-between versions now. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll look into that. Velcro Max? Or Velcro Mat or Vel... Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Mike seems like he knows the name. Velcro Mat. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Isn't that the cool. name of the flying dog thing from NeverEnding Story? No, that's... um. <laughs> Valcor, Falcor, yeah, Falcor, something like that. <laughs> it's weird that you brought that movie up. <laughs> That's what I kept thinking of whenever you were saying Velcro Mad or whatever. Yeah, awesome. So, what are you guys obsessed with other than '80s game-winning? Oh yeah, yeah, buzzer beater. <laughs> That'll be old. There'll be like three other games by the time this comes out. But yeah, That's that true. was awesome. The, the Lakers game on Sunday night was yeah. Obsession. My obsession. obsession, I'll shout out Precious Plastics, I think is what they're called. But they're a they're a build and design company. What they do is a lot of recycled HP HDPE furniture and built-ins. I've seen them do a couple of really large dining tables. And I think that's some of the more impressive stuff that they do. So check them out called Precious Plastics. Yeah. They also have open source plans to make the tools they use to melt down and recycle the plastics. Right. So that's that's a win-win. I'll pick a podcast this week, which actually got turned on to it by Chris Crawford, who's a uh, Rockler Challenge alum. That's right. But it's it's called Pass Through Frequencies, and it's hosted by Jim Adkins, who's the 
frontman for Jimmy Eat World. And it's basically just like a music podcast where he interviews other people. So, so it's particularly good for me because like a lot of the people he's interviewing are kind of like the pop punk slash emo people from like, you know, late, late nineties. Right. But those people thousands. I have to imagine those people aren't doing a lot of interviews though. Yeah. Not a ton. Yeah. Like you don't really yeah. hear them on podcasts a lot. So yeah. Yeah. It's a good place to hear people that you probably otherwise wouldn't hear in a podcast, but it's interesting just from like a, you know, if you're into music or writing music in particular, since they're all like songwriters and everything, but pass through frequencies. Awesome. Mine is a tool company that I'm not really working with them yet. I'm just sort of checking them out and they sent some tools and I'm thinking about figuring out a way to, but Garrett Wade tools. So just go look at Garrett Wade on Instagram. They just make like, they're like the Muji of tools. They just make really clean looking stuff that doesn't have their logo all over it. And that isn't at a ridiculous price point. So it's like, I think it's that sweet spot that I think is interesting where it's a little bit more, maybe like 20% more than the low end one on Amazon. It's a little bit better made. It's not quite the sort of super expensive boutique tool. So they have like really good Japanese pull sauce. If you want something that's a little bit better than the bottom of the barrel Amazon one, but that's like not the super, you know, duper expensive one. And I also got the favorite thing I got from them so far. I got an awesome ass espresso maker and it's like so simple and easy to clean. Mike, next time you're over, espressos. Perfect. I'm in. It's like, it's just screwed together. It's all metal. You can like throw it in a dishwasher and it like makes awesome espresso. You just like turn on the, the burner, set the whole thing on it and it like pumps it out. They're really curating this collection of simple kind of unbranded, authentic looking like tools and home accessories. They also have like the coolest gardening stuff. I always think like gardening tools look really whack. They make like ones that look classic, but still functional. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking through some of their stuff now and it, and that's kind of good, right? Like it's, that's what it is. It's almost blending classic, like cast goods, but it looks like it's kind of like imported, but curated really well. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested. We'll give that espresso machine a try. I'm looking at the listing for it now. It looks pretty cool, but Awesome. Okay. Garrett it's great, Wade. It's a great staging piece too. Yeah, for sure. That's what it is. Everything is kind of the unique version of that item, whether it's a coffee grinder yeah. or a, a, a anything. So um, thank yeah. you guys for listening to the Modern Maker podcast. If you haven't already, we love reviews. It just lets the iTunes app and Spotify know we're a good show and to suggest us to people that listen to similar content. So thank you in advance for that. If you want to keep up with us throughout the week, you can follow Chris at Four Eyes Furniture. You can follow Ben at Benjamin Ueda and you can follow me Mike at Modern Builds hit us with a DM if you've got any topic suggestions or questions you think we should answer we did that the past couple episodes and it kind of led to some fun conversations so make sure and keep those coming we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast bye everybody later bye